and welcome to episode 147 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the bah humbug. This week we're going to be talking about Scrooge on your But Now I Know That I Don't Know All in the Christmas Morning <laughs> podcast. I'm Mandy Kay, and you can find me on Twitter if you want to talk about all of the Christmas movies, at Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. I'm on Twitter, at Matthew Vose, if you want to talk about all the Christmas movies. Because we quite <laughs> like Christmas around these parts. We do, we do, absolutely. <laughs> Yay, we get to watch a good Christmas movie. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> Goodness. So, Matthew, you talked about this movie last year. And the year before that, and we never did Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Nope. <laughs> so we finally watched this old black and white 1951 version of A Christmas Carol called Scrooge. Yeah. So Scrooge. why is this one that you have been wanting us to do, that you've wanted me to watch? This is, for me, the best adaptation of A Christmas Carol that exists. Okay. There are There are many different things that do many different things in different ways. Like, Scrooge is great because it is actually quite funny. It's a really clever way to update it for a sort of modern... It's not just everything is exactly the same. He's in a different role, but it fits with the sort of modern setting. Mm-hmm. Um, the Muppet Christmas Carol is really good as a sort of children's take on it. You know, not quite right, as right. harsh in times, not quite as scary in times. Um, the Mickey's Christmas Carol, the short Disney one, is just lovely and nice. But this is the one that is faithful and, and yet not faithful. This is the best adaptation for screen I think there is okay. for many reasons. And okay. just just watching it, I was smiling. I had tears in my eyes at moments. It's Aww. just everything comes across so well. And this is, I, I you know, we'll, we'll talk about Alistair Sim in a bit. I, I love Alistair Sim as an actor. Okay. And it's interesting because I didn't come to him from this role. This is like, again, as we'll talk about, one of his most famous roles, if not his most famous. Okay. But we studied a book called An Inspector Calls. At school, which you may not have ever heard of. Nope, I've, never. Uh, it's a J. It's a J. B. Priestley play, um, about how to describe it. Uh, the The core plot is an inspector visits this family who are having a lovely dinner, and it might when must it be? Probably April. And the detective says there's a woman who's killed herself, and it turns out that everyone in this family, this very well to do family, um, are partially responsible for her killing herself. And the oh. troubles of this woman. And they are not... It's a little bit Christmas Carol-esque in, like, they're not, you know, helping other people and they're shunning people and did bad to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out each of them has a thing to play. And in the classic adaptation of that play into a film, Alice Sim is the inspector. Okay. So I already knew him as a sort of, you know, all proper actor who does these proper good, important things. Blah, 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 blah. And then watched this at some point and it's like, oh, it's lovely. It's just so good. So I wanted to share it. Okay. Awesome. And we did. Good. <laughs> uh, yeah, just in case anyone doesn't know what it's about, do you want to tell us what, what <laughs> Scrooge is about? Old Man Scrooge is visited by three Christmas spirits who convince him to change his ways and become joyful and kind. Nice. Yep. Yep. The crux of it. How come you've never seen this one as someone who loves Christmas so much? Uh, because it's from 1951 and in black and white. <laughs> is this our oldest film? Ah. Uh... Yes. 
Could be, couldn't it? I think so. Sunset Boulevard was like 54, 55? Oh, yeah, just just after it. Mm. And Some Like It Hot would be the other one that's in the same general time frame. Let's turn to our old friend Letterboxd. <laughs> Films or lists. I'm going to have a look at the pop culture deprived list on Letterboxd. Oh, you're so good. If you use Letterboxd, we have a pop culture deprived list that you can follow to see all the different films we've done. Uh, can sort, here we go, sort by earliest first, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. Okay. And then Sunset Boulevard, which is 1950. Okay. And A Christmas Carol, which is 51. And then you're absolutely right. Some Like It Hot and rounding up the top five, Jungle Book. Okay. Yeah. I forgot Disney movies were that old. <laughs> yeah, I did. Okay. And then and then the the other end of the list is a couple of weeks ago from See You Yesterday and the film that's coming up next week, which we'll talk about later. Yes. Yes. Exciting I'm so times. excited about that one. Um Matthew, tell us about this version of A Christmas Carol. Scrooge is a 1951 adaptation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, directed by Brian Desmond Hurst. The screenwriter was Noel Langley, who was most famous for being one of the writers of the MGM movie The Wizard of Oz. This film stars Alastair Sim. The film is considered one of his most famous performances on screen, because he was also a stage actor, and is arguably one of his best, although he was more traditionally known before this as a comedic actor, having appeared with um, Alec... Not Alec Baldwin, Alec Guinness, and people of that ilk <laughs> in a few films. Yeah, <laughs> The film adaptation adds more content to the history of Scrooge and shows the death of his sister and how he and Marley ended up running a business together. Reviews at the time of its release noted this as a darker tone than normal for the story, but particularly called out as being closer to the original story. Richard L. Coe of the Washington Post wrote, This may not be a Christmas carol of recent tradition, but I've an idea that it's the way Dickens would have wanted it, it's the way he wrote it. In the US, it was released under the title of A Christmas Carol, where it underperformed against expectations. It was considered a vast disappointment. Oh, okay. And I, I, I think that's probably that thing of all the versions that came out in the years before this were, oh, it's a happy, fun, light tale of a man redeeming himself, isn't mm-hmm. it so nice? Well, actually, no, it's a little bit dark, and he is not a nice person at the beginning of this. Right, so. right. Mm. Is it available anywhere over there? Shockingly, yes. You can rent hey. it on Amazon for a dollar ninety-nine. Nice. Yes. Um, but there is I don't know if it's legal, but there is a free version. Uh the full movie has been uploaded to dailymotion.com. Okay. Mm. So it's there. But I didn't do that because I wanted to watch it mm. on my TV and it was too frustrating figuring out how to cast it and still That's be right. able to take notes and all of that stuff. So I just rented it. Okay. Uh over here it is available on Amazon Prime video for free. <sighs> course so it's available on there um and i own the dvd as well which i i I didn't use and i need to check because there is a colorized version that was released as an extra on dvds but i don't think i have that one i was wondering about that because whenever you google it there's always this one picture of alistair Mm. sum that's in color and I, i i it always made me wonder like it's obviously not a screen grab but maybe it is if they did release a colorized version yeah so Huh. The colorized versions are never that good. There's um, a version of It's a Wonderful Life, which is really disappointing. It just doesn't feel right. Right. Okay. So. Interesting. Hmm. All right. Okay. Alistair Sim is our main person. Have you seen him in anyone? anything else? Do, do you know who he is? I'd never heard of him before. Okay. Ever. But there was a familiar face in the cast. Mm-hmm. 
And it took me a little while to figure out who she was, but the woman who played Mrs. Cratchit played Ellen in Mary Poppins. Uh, the housekeeper. Okay, yes. 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 When they go flying a kite, I think she dances with them. Yeah, well, and she dances in the Sister Suffragette song. And yes, of course she does, yes. She does, mm. yes. She's great. I, I always forget that bit of the story because my main memory of Mary Poppins' story is the stage show. Where oh. Mrs. Banks' story is fundamentally different. It's all about her being Mrs. Banks and so on. Interesting. I've never seen the stage production. Mm, it's good. Okay. It's good. I saw, um, you remember the lady that I thought would be really good as the new Doctor Who? Yes. name I now can't remember. Summer Strallen? She was in Mary Poppins. and They're doing a revival of it now with her younger sister in it. She was exceptional, but there is a great bit where, I think during uh, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, Who's the chimney sweep? What's his name? Bert. But they basically put wires on him and he starts tap dancing. And then he starts tap dancing up the side of the stage. Mm-hmm. And they've got like uh, wooden walls up the side of it. And he's tap dancing sideways up it. That is awesome. And then he, then he starts tap dancing upside down on the ceiling. Nice. Like it's really good. That is <laughs> you know? cool. We've talked about Christmas Carol adaptations before. Let's let's touch on them a bit here. It's been a couple of years since we did them. So what's your experience of the original story, the adaptations, the various versions of it? Um, I forgot that we did Scrooge, but that's one, the Bill Murray <laughs> one. Yeah. So we talked about that one and we talked about them up at Christmas Carol. Yeah, I think um, they were back to back a couple of years ago. I think so. Yes, we mm. did both of those together. Um, and then I also, we did a Discord watch along for patrons and stuff. Of the 2009 adaptation starring Jim Carrey, mm, okay. which I think is the better Christmas Carol adaptation. And okay. you were not impressed by it, I remember. I don't think um, I've seen it. We watched it together. Yes, we did. I have never seen this version of the film. Are you sure? You... No, we did a live really watch together. Sure. No. Yes. <laughs> like, how far back does Discord history go? Forever, I thought. Well, I've searched for Carey and it's not come up with anything. December 16th, 2017. Yes, you watched it with us. I did not. You did. Wow. Is it actually that version that we watched? Yes. I have no memory of this whatsoever. (laughs) Wow. This is amazing. Real time, you guys. We are, like, planting memories in Matthew's head. I swear. We did a live watch, and I think it was actually just me, you, and Jazzy who, who did the live watch on Discord. But I'm, I'm reading what I said because I have literally no. Does it have Gary Oldman in it? Yes. As Bob Cratchit? No. Bob Costas was Bob Cratchit. Bob Marley? Not Bob Marley. Jacob Marley. Jacob Marley. <laughs> this is amazing. You don't remember it at all. I have no memory of watching it. Wow, we talked about this for a long old time, didn't we? Well, I mean, we watched the whole movie, so yeah, we talked about it for a good couple hours. Yeah, Gary Oldman was Bob Cratchit. Right. So that's why there was a really good line in there of me saying, oh, Bob, he's just so serious. Bob Hoskins was Fezziwig. No, hang on. The Bob Cratchit, played by oh, Gary Oldman, was yeah. so serious. Serious. <laughs> I'm awesome. Oh, you're amazing. Uh... Okay, great. Give me a second. I'm going to Letterbox. I'm marking this as done. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
I have zero memory of watching it. Oh, no, it, and it's already marked as watched. Wow. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> good, good. Good, good. Okay, it was good. so amazing that Matthew has scrubbed any any right memory there. of it from his mind. <laughs> okay. I watch a lot of films. Is that? Mm. Okay, so just touching, we were touch, talking about other versions you're aware of. What What is your feeling on the Christmas Carol story in general? Can you remind me of what some of your thoughts were from those other shows? I mean, I, it's a classic story. And so it's so pervasive in culture that it's impossible to say that it's not a good story, I think. Right. Um, what do you think of it? <laughs> I mean, I always like stories where you get the big character shift you know it's like the grinch your your heart grows three Mm. sizes you know it's i love stories where you have the happy ending and where you have somebody's whole worldview fundamentally shift right and that's what christmas carol is nice right so this version scrooge 1951 did you enjoy it it was okay it's not my favorite adaptation the one you don't remember is my favorite adaptation (laughs) Um, but honestly, having seen it, I kind of understand your reaction back when we watched it because you weren't very impressed by the the right. Jim Carrey version. Mm. Um, and I think clearly. you probably, <laughs> yeah, clearly, um, after watching this one now and knowing that you love this one so much, I can kind of understand it because that one took a lot of notes from this one. Jim right. Carrey's voice okay. was absolutely modeled after Alistair Sim. Like they oh, really? sound almost okay. identical. The way they enunciate things, the the cadence of how they talk. Um, there were so many things that were similar. And so I imagine you felt like it was a light version of this one. Okay. That sounds fair. And it's Disney and animated, so it had a lot more comedy in it than you probably expected Mm. from A Christmas Carol, maybe. Mm. Mm. I don't know. but Yeah, because this is a a dark take on it. It is. It's it's not horrific, but Scrooge is definitely... I mean, he is a crotchety old miser. He is. And the opening music for this makes you feel like you're coming into this dark horror murder mystery. Mm. Not a Christmas movie. Yeah. I, I think one of the things I like about it is they lean on Marley a lot more. Marley is kind of referenced and has that one appearance in most adaptations. But in this, all the way through, it's about him and Marley having met and working mm-hmm. together. Um, and then the death of Marley sequence. Because mm-hmm. obviously it opens with him having signed the, the, the register for like saying, yes, he's dead. Right. Um, but the bit where they're like, oh, you know, Marley's dying if you want to see him. It's like, well, why would I see him? He's going to die either way. It's, it's about Mr. Marley. He's dying, sir. Well, what can I do about it? If he's dying, he's dying. Well, the message was for you to go at once, sir. It is now quarter to five. The business of the office is not yet finished. I shall go when the office is closed at seven o'clock. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, this is this guy's really not human. Yeah. It's funny because watching this one, I assumed because i don't know that i've ever actually read the original a christmas carol by Mm. charles dickens like the actual Mm -hmm. words on the page i've only ever seen the adaptations um and so watching this one it changed enough of the story that i thought that they all came from the original source and i was like there are things in this story that i didn't know existed like what happened (laughs) yeah um and so that was 
interesting. And then I was reading um, some comparisons, particularly comparing this one to the 2009 version. I think I sent you that link. Um, Mm. And it pointed out all of those things where I was like, I didn't know this was in the story were actually added to make it a richer, more full story. Mm. And it it does. And I think – what am I trying to say? I think it's interesting. It's not necessarily needed in most of the mm-hmm. adaptations that we get because mm-hmm. everybody is so familiar with the story that you don't necessarily need to flesh it out. Yeah. But for somebody to take the initiative to flesh it out and give us a bit more character development and show us more mm-hmm. backstory, it it does it, – it makes it a fuller experience. Nice. So, so what sort of things did you – were being added that you thought like, oh, that's uh, – yeah. Um, well, the, the scene at the beginning with Marley was longer, I think, mm-hmm. than, than okay. most of them. Um, getting the, the backstory of Marley and Ebenezer meeting yeah. and then deciding to go into business together, putting Fezziwig out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, yeah, they either acquired him or put him cause they knocked the Fezziwig sign down and put their sign up uh, okay, as he right. was driving away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, although Ebenezer properly looked ashamed in that moment, at least. Yeah. You know, but that certainly was not in any of the adaptations we've ever seen. Um, mm. The idea that his sister died giving birth to Fred. Mm-hmm. That's new. And the, the lines about that's how Scrooge's mother died. Mm-hmm. And that's why Scrooge's father didn't like him. It's like, oh, that's, you know, the, the generational sameness mm-hmm. almost. Right. Yeah. You, know, you, you you can't blame everything on your parents. You shouldn't blame all your behaviors on your parents. But at the same time, it is where you learn a lot of your behaviors. So, right. you yeah. know, yeah. W- woman, woman dies giving birth to someone, well, you hate her for it. Mm-hmm. And you hate them, that you hate the child for it, I mean. Right, right. Mm. Um, they age to sister up a little bit so that when we yeah. first meet her, she's older. And I think that mm. makes it um, his reaction to her dying, giving birth more, not believable, but you see their relationship has as having been a more mature relationship between brother and sister than yeah, absolutely. like young child and older brother. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, that's that, a lot that... right there. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was going to ask why you think they called it Scrooge rather than a Christmas Carol. I mean, because it is Scrooge's story. Mm-hmm. I think just talking to you, I think that's probably the reason because they've taken it from being a Christmas, you know, this this Christmas story, and this could happen to anyone. This is, you know, we all have a chance of redemption. Mm-hmm. I think it's part of the point of not calling it after a person, right? But this story goes even more into that central character and is his story, right? So it sort of makes sense, especially if there were other adaptations coming out at the time and they wanted to differentiate themselves. Yeah, that's, that's a nice fair. way to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the meeting with Marley, I think, is very good because mm-hmm. I, I I think it adds a lot to explain some of that background. The thing it gave me vibes of, and this might just be because we know what's coming, is a scene in another film that came out in 1999 where Liam Neeson goes, Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi Wan Kenobi. Hi. And it's that kind of like, oh, this is a setup for a massive thing in the future. We know what's coming here. <laughs> and the bit where he goes, you know, Jacob Marley, meet Ebenezer Scrooge. Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge, the new clerk, Mr. Jacob Marley, our wizard of the accounts. Your servant, Mr. Marley. Your servant, Mr. Scrooge. I'm sure you two gentlemen will get along famously. I'm sure we shall, Mr. Jorkinson. 
Right, right. Like, okay. Oh, these two are going to suck the life out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I quite, I quite liked it. Yeah. Good. <laughs> you quite liked it. I did. Can you can you talk to what the 2009 version does better? Is it is it that that side of it being slightly more humorous, slightly more accessible? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it just came first for me. Okay. Like the 2009 version is the first Christmas Carol version I ever saw that I loved. Like I mm-hmm. fell in love with it when I saw it. And part of it I think is because of the cast. Part of it mm-hmm. is I mean the animation is spectacular. Um okay. it it did flesh out the story for me a little bit. It added a lot of scenes that some people call fluff and maybe aren't necessarily needed. A lot of mm-hmm. like comedy action scenes like there's this whole scene where ebenezer gets shrunken down and he's like riding down the icy streets of london and um he gets thrown through the air and you get to hear the like the really high-pitched noise of a shrunken person screaming as he's falling and it's got that you know it's funny okay (laughs) see the look on your face you're like oh my god (laughs) yeah Um, so there's a lot of stuff like that in it but i I I just enjoyed it. I think it's also the first time it felt relatable to me Mm -hmm. because I think most of the adaptations I had seen, I had seen when I was much younger and they were all very adult feeling. Right. And this one, even though I saw it as an adult, it, it made it more accessible. Mm -hmm. And I think that might just be because it's a Disney movie. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus, Jim Carrey is amazing. <laughs> I mean, th- honestly, that's probably the main thing. Jim Carrey is amazing. He, he is very good at disappearing into a role like that. Yeah. So, I the, part of the thing that I like about Alistair Sim and the way this is portrayed here is he doesn't look unhealthy. Or mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, my memory, and, and I think this is from stills and things that I've definitely seen of the Jim Carrey one, the bent over, walking with a cane, right, right. aged man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a wealthy man who can afford food and to live in relative comfort. Mm-hmm. He doesn't necessarily spend the money on those things or the money as he should, but he's not He's not living in poverty. Right. And right. Th- there is something in some adaptations of showing him in that way. Um, and, and Alice Sim looks healthy. He looks like someone who is living, but just has nothing inside pretty much. Right. Yeah. I think in the, yeah. the Jim Carrey version, he has the big house. But it's empty and cold and he lives in a single room and he makes right. soup in a single pot, you yeah. know, because he doesn't want to spend the money okay. to keep it up mm. because he's so miserly and Scrooge-like. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I love in this that we see, and I think this is from the book, that he goes and has a meal in a pub. Mm-hmm. But I really like the bit where he say he asks for more bread and they're like, oh, it's going to be a half penny more. And he thinks about it. He's like, no more bread then. Waiter. Yes. More bread. Take me extra, sir. No more bread. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a little heavy handed as a lot of the moralizing stuff in this is. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of work. It's like, oh, you stingy Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, Alistair Sim was pretty perfect for this role. Mm. He's very expressive. Mm-hmm. His his mm-hmm. his face, like he physically transforms between being 
this stingy old grumpy man mm-hmm. to someone who's properly ashamed of how his life has turned out and the things that he's done to yeah. absolutely joyful and gleeful at the end. Yeah. How how did you find that? Because I, I have seen people talk about him going over the top with his giggling and, oh, what a charming boy. Oh, 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 oh. Well, we won't beat about the bush, my friend. I'm not going to stand this sort of thing any longer, which leaves me no alternative but to raise your salary. <laughs> I haven't taken leave of my senses, Bob. I've come to them. <laughs> I mean, it it was over the top, mm-hmm. but do you buy it as the character? I think I do, but just because I've seen so many Christmas Carol adaptations, it's hard to separate Okay, <laughs> this specific character. Right. Um, but they also, they set it up much earlier in this one than they do in most adaptations. In most adaptations that I've seen, he doesn't start to really become remorseful until like halfway through the Ghost of Christmas present. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. around the time when you see ignorance and... Want. want. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this one, he started showing like sorrow for his deeds and for how his life had turned out just from looking at the past. Yeah. So they started setting up that transformation much earlier. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that makes it easier to buy when he recaptures that joy that he once had in his life that it mm. just bubbles over. Mm. Yeah, the the bit where he sees the party at Fezziwigs and he does say, oh, God, he's probably only spent three pounds on this and everyone's having a great time. He hasn't had to spend much money. Mm-hmm. And you see the Ghost of Christmas Past look at him and he goes, oh, yeah, okay. And and it's just it's little moments like that. Again, it's a little heavy handed because they are making the point of it directly mm-hmm. on screen. Right. But it is like it, he is being shown each of these items for a reason. Right. Yeah. Whereas in other ones... The inclusion of Fezziwigs is just to give us a slightly more joyful scene and a, like, Scrooge wasn't always awful. Mm-hmm. Or other times when they use it as, but Scrooge keeps working through the party because he's always awful. Right, right. This this sort of does something a little bit different with it, which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I love Alice Sims' performance in this. I think he's absolutely just perfect. He's so great at every bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like you say, that the, the being ashamed and being, oh god, I treated my sister poorly, I treated my nephew poorly. And then when you get the, the grocery Christmas present and he sees the, the Bob raising a glass to him and it's just this and uh, 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 I think that for me is one of the great moments of the story is as awful as Scrooge is, he gives money to Bob for the work he does. And right. Bob is a good enough human to say thank you for that. And I hope we can continue working together to his family. And he argues with his wife about we need to keep doing this thing. And in this, he sees it and it, it is genuine. It's not Bob being performative about it. It is, no, Mr. Mr. Scrooge has given us the money to be able to do what we're doing here today. So let's, let's at least raise a glass at Christmas. My dear, the children, Christmas Day. Could only be on Christmas Day that I would drink the health of such a hard, stingy, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. You know he is, Robert. Nobody knows it better than you do, poor fellow. My dear, Christmas Day. I'll drink his health for your sake and the days, not for his. 
Long life to him. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He'll be very happy and very merry, no doubt. Right. Uh, there was a moment, though, before that, mm-hmm. like at the beginning when Bob was leaving to go and Scrooge was like, oh, I suppose you want the 25th off. It's inconvenient, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> He starts, like, I don't remember exactly how he says it, but he looks down on Bob for wanting to have a Merry Christmas, even though he doesn't have very much money. A Merry Christmas, sir. A Merry Christmas, sir. You, a clerk, and 15 shillings a week with a wife and a family, talking about a Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'll retire to Bedlam. Yeah. Like, he calls that yeah. out. And I'm like, dude, he doesn't have much money because you don't pay him enough. Right? Like, how can you, like, sneer at him for wanting joy in the middle of poverty when you're the reason he's impoverished? Right. Like, I I was very, like, full of rage over that moment. And, and that's good. Like, uh, that, I think, talks about how it's selling the character so well, because he yeah. absolutely does. He's like, you can't have a Merry Christmas. You're really poor. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wow, man. He just he does not reflect on what he does, and it's, and so the ghosts come and force him to reflect. Right, and he sees that raising the glass, and he is like, "Oh, this is such a nice family." Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and you can see him liking Tiny Tim, and Tiny Tim, who can be awful and just saccharine and not enjoyable on screen. In this, whilst he could go that way, and I think the daughter who hides goes a bit towards too sweet. Oh, I couldn't hide from you for too long, father. Oh. <laughs> but Tiny Tim is just like, oh, no, I'll sit by the fire and, you know, people will know how good they are because they'll see me as a cripple and think they're doing okay. And, like, he's just such a nice boy. <laughs> okay. I, th- I think it works in this version. It, it does work, but I found it interesting. I felt like we got a lot less of the Cratchit family in this version than we do in other mm-hmm. adaptations. Okay. And and much less even Tiny Tim. Mm. I think we got more of Fred. Yes. And and the the nephew on that side. Um, Maybe. Which, again, it leans into more of this is Scrooge's story. Mm-hmm. This is not the Christmas Carol of all these different families having things. It's Scrooge right. and his family. And he is nice to the Cratchits. Because right. I think most versions have him visiting them to deliver the goose or um, as they're having Christmas. And so they realize it was from him. Mm-hmm. Things of that ilk. Right. But this yeah. is just, he just does a nice thing and sends them some nice food. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Good. Um, the other thing, and again, talking about it's a little bit heavy handed in places. The thing that I think comes through really well on this, and this is why it's, such a good version because it's kind of the core of it is the message that it's never too late to change is your heart still unmoved towards us then i'm too old and beyond hope go and redeem some younger more promising creature and leave me to keep christmas in my own way mortal we spirits of christmas do not live only one day of our year we live the whole 365 and and then the sequence at the end where it talks about, you know, he became a second father to Tiny Tim, blah, blah, who lived for many years. And it is this thing of, yes, he's old, but you can make a change now. You can make a change tomorrow. I think that's the thing. It's just made me think, of course, the end of Scrooge, because Bill Murray does that, right. the whole moralizing speech, which I love in that version as well. You have to do something. You have to take a chance. You do have to get involved. There are people that are having having trouble making their miracle happen. There are people that don't have enough to eat. There are people that are cold. 
you can go out and say hello to these people. You can take an old blanket out of the closet and say, here, you can make them a sandwich and say, oh, by the way, here. I get it now. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the message in general comes across here because there is a real, and, and again, this is the way Scrooge is often shown as a very old man. Right, uh, he's about right. to die anyway, so what does it matter? Was in this, it's like, no, you have several years. You can make mm-hmm. a difference to a lot of people other right. than just dying and they steal your curtains and the clothes you're wearing. <laughs> right. Which it, which isn't always included. And you did not like the Muppet Spider. <laughs> oh, no, no, I did not. But in this version, it's the full scene is in there and them all being like, oh, well, fancy us meeting here. Well, you know, we all know we've nicked stuff off a dead guy. Right. Yep. <laughs> Dark. Yep. Brilliant. I think it's clear that you really, really enjoy this version. <laughs> but can a you bit. pinpoint like specific things that, that you really just go back to? Uh, Alistair Sim is the draw of it. Okay. Alistair Sim is absolutely the thing. Um, and that, as much as there are big, heavy-handed moments of them pointing something out and telling us, like, this is why he's feeling this way, or this is why he's ashamed, this is why he should be ashamed, there's so many small moments of him just looking a bit like, oh, I shouldn't have been like that, I shouldn't have done that. And when he actively goes and tries to make a change, because it's very easy to do laughing with the boy outside, laughing with your charwoman, and sending the goose when he actually goes to fred's and has to be now i need to act differently mm-hmm. he stands outside his door for a minute he's like i'm re-, you can see it's just i'm not sure how to do what i'm supposed to do here can right. i erase all these years of being awful right. and he turns around and looks at the maid who's let him in mm-hmm. and she just gives him a half like little one smile like you can do it go on right right and he nods back at her and then he goes in yeah. And it's just like, it's such a small moment. But again, mm-hmm. it's capturing like this guy is making a huge change. Like, it is difficult to change your behaviors. Yeah. So fundamentally in, in a day, the people who saw him the day before and now will, will not know what to make of it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's nice that when he goes in, then his nephew's wife is prepared to accept him. Yeah. Which is, again, not always a thing of the version because it's not necessarily a thing that would happen in real life. But Yeah. No, it's mm. tough. I mean, you saw how his housekeeper reacted to him. Yeah, exactly. Screaming, <laughs> running away. <laughs> she she did get second billing, though. So I think they might have increased her role because she's a bit more of an established actress. Right. So um, I found an interesting interview with the lady who played the maid. She's the only person in this film who's still alive. Oh, wow. Okay. Also, it was a few years ago. And, and it was about this was her second acting role. She never acted again. She got paid something like two pounds a day and it took three days to film that that sequence, that shot. Or or she had to be on set for those three days. Apparently the director was awful, but Alistair Sim was lovely. <laughs> okay. Was her sort of main thing. She just has like a, a nice memory of doing an interesting thing. Oh, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. sweet. <laughs> it was yeah. like, oh. <laughs> so I've talked about Bob raising glasses, Scrooge, which mm-hmm. is always lovely, which I think is a really nice moment. Um th- th- the line that always stands out, and I, I completely forgotten it's a line in the film, in, in the story, is when Marley's talking about all his chains and he's saying, you know, I, I I worked on my chain through life and it's, you know, it's all my, my the consequence of how I behaved in life that's formed this chain on me. And you, since I have died, have worked on your chain even more and it's now long and it's heavy. It is a ponderous chain. You do not know the weight and length of strong chain you bear yourself. 
It was full as heavy and as long as this, seven Christmas Eves ago, and you have labored on it since her. It's a ponderous chain. <laughs> and a ponderous chain is just such a wonderful turn of phrase. Okay. It's a bit like it's a bit like humbug. We we take humbug as just being a like mocking sneer, right? But humbug was a sort of conning chicanery, you know, thing you really shouldn't be spending your time on because it's actually a waste. Okay, which is okay. why he applies it to Christmas, right? Okay, so it's a, it's a, actually you know we, because of this story, I think we take humbug as just a bah humbug, you know, yeah, yeah, putting things down. But he's using it to express something. Okay, uh, it is a ponderous chain. Just like you have spent all your endeavours. And, and we get the repeated line about the golden idol that mm-hmm. he worships, the money that he's always tried to claim. And it's it's actually going to bind him to the earth, to wander the earth and mm-hmm. not rest. Brilliant. Oh, it's brilliant. It's so good. You kill me. I love it. I love it when you love things that we watch because you just get so excited. It's so good. It's so good. How about you? Does anything stand out in this version? Is there anything in this that you like more than other versions? So there are two things that stood out. One is, I think, in all of the versions um, mm. that I've seen, and that's how excited Bob Cratchit gets when he gets to go home on Christmas Eve to go see <laughs> yeah, his family. Yeah. He's mm. just so happy. Um, and, and that came across really, really well in this version. Oh, good. Because that's like half a page on in the book. And it's uh-huh. a whole thing of there's kids sliding up and down on the ice. And it mm-hmm. has a line of like, and he went up or down three times before running all the way home to Camden. Mm-hmm. And that's like two or three miles through central London. I would not want to run that. But Bob Marley gets home. Not Bob, Bob Marley. Marley. Bob Cratchit. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Cratchit gets home. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Um, that that full scene is in the 2009 version where he, mm. he slides on the ice with the kids and all that stuff too. Mm, nice. Um, but he, his like face and the way that he threw his scarf around his neck in this one was just so <laughs> gleeful. And I really enjoyed it. Um, the thing that I really, really liked, though, was mm. in the beginning, um, when Scrooge has gotten home and Marley is coming, um, and, mm-hmm. and so they're trying to show us that there is a haunting about to happen, something unusual and kind of dark mm. is about to happen, and all the bells start ringing really loudly in the house. Right. Um, the camera closes in on all of the bells in the house that could possibly be ringing okay. and none of them are ringing they're all silent nice. but nice. we can still hear like these loud clanging bells and then we can see how scrooge is reacting to them mm. and just the idea that they're telling us these aren't actually coming from the bells in the house there's something else happening it it really lent an air of um spookiness yeah i think and mm. mm. um, what you want i mean this this is at its heart, it's still a ghost story, mm-hmm. you know, and so you want to feel a little bit of that. And I thought they did that really well. Yeah, I, I think all the spirits in, in were really well done. I, I love that Marley is probably ghost-like and the interplay between them. I love mm-hmm. the sequence looking outside and seeing all the spirits with the starving girl on the street. Because I think mm. that is in the book and is a thing of, you know, all these spirits who want to help people because they realize they should have in right. life and couldn't, that kind of thing. That was a weird scene to me. It, it felt more like they were doing interpretive dance than lamenting that okay. they couldn't help. <laughs> but yeah. I, I I do like the way they do all the spirits because the spirit of Christmas past is very difficult because it's described as a lantern, a, a candle, effectively. Right, right. And you couldn't have done that with any effects at this time. Right. So they just have an old guy in a kind of white sheet, <laughs> a, a white, be- you know, bed gown type shape. Right. 
Um, but I love when they get to the Ghost of Christmas Present because he looks like the original drawing off the Ghost of Christmas Present. The big guy in the corner of the room with the bountiful harvest mm-hmm. around him. And, and they clearly have done something with the audio. So his voice is sort of booming and echoing. Right. In in conversation with Scrooge, and Scrooge's voice is not doing that. So mm-hmm. it really does make you feel like, oh, this character's different. And I, I do like the introduction of the Ghost of Christmas Present because he's supposed to be happy and friendly. And yes, we're celebrating because it's Christmas. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you like ce- you and you like celebrating at a Christmas. I do like celebrating <laughs> Christmas. It's great. And then the ghost of Christmas yet to come, who is just faceless and hands mm-hmm. pointing at scary stuff. Yeah, it was interesting to me that we actually got to see a human hand pointing at things because mm. usually it's a shadow or mm-hmm. um like in the 2009 version it was all CGI Grim Reaper. I think in the Muppet version it was like a reaper. Yeah. As well. And obviously it wasn't human because they were Muppets. Mm-hmm. There were very few humans in the Muppet version. But um, seeing that very pale human hand extending out of the black robe was an interesting visual. It was different. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, is there anything else that we need to discuss about this version of A Christmas Carol? Is this us putting A Christmas Carol to bed? Are there other versions you would want to visit? I don't know. I wonder if there are more modern adaptations that we're unaware of, like Hallmark Christmas movies that kind of are loosely based on A Christmas Carol. You know, maybe we can find some of those and throw them in. Because I talked previously, there's a a YouTube video a guy put together called, is it 300 Ghosts? Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me about that last year. Which is, he's basically taken every single version of A Christmas Carol and all the, you know, episodes of like Saved by the Bell that does it and the episodes <laughs> of That's So Raven that does it, things like right, that. Right. And the Hallmark movies and these versions and the manga versions and the Batman version, all this. Huh. And he's put together a whole, the story using these 300 different versions. Nice. It, it is that, it, it's not hugely long. I, if I remember, I will try to link in the show notes. It's worth a watch. It's it's a great Christmas prep. Okay. Hmm. Cool. Uh, let's have a quick look. Let's just see if there's anything coming up. Um, an upcoming film adaptation directed by Bennett Miller, written by Tom Stoppard. Mm. I don't know who these people are. Tom Stoppard wrote... He's a very famous playwright. Um, he wrote Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Dead. He co-wrote the screenplays for Brazil, The Russia House, and Shakespeare in Love. Oh, so we have talked about him before. Okay. So we have talked about him. Bennett Miller... Dame doesn't ring a bell. Capote, Moneyball, and Foxcatcher. Okay. He's quite a good director. Uh, what else have we got? We've got Marley, an upcoming musical film by Walt Disney Pictures, adapting Christmas Carol through Jacob Marley's perspective. It's interesting. Oh, there's a 2017 um, version called The Man Who Invented Christmas. Oh, that was on over here, yeah. That has Isn't Dan that Stevens Dickens? playing Charles Dickens. Mm. And Christopher Plummer. We might have to add this one. Okay. We'll find it. Okay, so we'll keep an eye out for if there's any other interesting ones to see. Oh, my goodness. There's A Christmas Carol with the musical. Alan Minken did the music, and it starred Kelsey Grammer, Jason Alexander, Jane Krakowski, Jesse L. Martin, and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Okay. I need to find this. It was a live action TV special. So Je- Jesse L. Martin, I can see. I mean, Jennifer Love Hewitt sings. Yeah. Jane Krakowski sings. Does she? 
Yes. I'm not sure I've seen her singing. Kelsey Grammer sang the Frasier theme song. He, he does, he does. So it sounds like there are still other versions. Oh my gosh, there's a Patrick Stewart version? Oh, well, the Patrick Stewart version is one of the most famous. So Patrick Stewart does A Christmas Carol most years as a one-man show. I did not know but that. But there is there is also one with him and other people. So maybe we're not done with A Christmas Carol, is all I'm saying. Maybe not. And that like that's one of the reasons why I think Alice's Sim is so good, because Patrick Stewart is a serious actor. Yeah. He does serious stuff, and the roles he plays are very serious. I think it makes it hard to transition to the nice version of Scrooge at the end. Mm-hmm. And and to to have seen him be nice during it as well, for a character that you're not used to seeing do nice fun things, right? Or, or doesn't naturally go to it. Like Patrick Stewart doing comedy or being a really nice happy chappy, is a bit strange to watch because we've yeah. seen so many hours of him as Professor X or John Luke Picard, who are very mm-hmm. serious people. Yes, John Luke Picard does not often crack a, a joke, and if he does, it's sarcasm. <laughs> Although he did do that one episode where they were kids. Yeah, th- that was not Patrick Stewart. Oh, you're right. It was an actual kid. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was Picard, but not Patrick Stewart. <laughs> okay. You're, you're my number one dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation and tell us what your favorite Christmas Carol adaptation is, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. Pop Country Deprived is completely funded by listeners like you through Patreon. Anything you give, even $1 a month, gives access to exclusive content, extra podcasts, early access to po- podcasts, stickers, coasters, magnets, all sorts of merch and exciting things. If you want to find out more, visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And we will be back next week on The Night Before Christmas with another episode where we are going to talk about The Night Before Christmas. The Knigget Before Christmas. Just yes. clear. Yeah. Yes. Netflix's The Knigget Before Christmas. <laughs> Until next time, I am Mandy Kay. And I am a wrenching, grasping, scraping, covetous old sinner. Pop Culturally Deprived is an eloquent gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at eloquentgushing.